0: The stage is dark, but the conversation is just beginning. Welcome to the Utah Symphony's Ghost Light Podcast, a behind-the-curtain look into the world of classical music and the artists who make it. I'm your host, Jeff Counts, and I'm joined today by Sarah Coit. Hi! Welcome, Sarah. <laughs> Sarah's in her second season as a resident artist at the Utah Opera and also... Go Bulls.
1: Yes, indeed. Go
0: Bulls. Sarah and I are both (laughs) from Florida. We have the same alma mater, University of South Florida in Tampa. Great to have you here with us today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So for listeners who may not be so familiar with the inner workings of an opera company, can you describe the life of a resident artist? What does that mean?
1: Sure, sure. So um, in this particular company, there is one of a voice type. We don't happen to have a bass. We have a soprano, mezzo, tenor bass, and a pianist. Mm Um, Some other uh, companies will have maybe one or two of those, maybe Mm -hmm. a heavier voice soprano and a lighter voice soprano, something like that. But they just keep it pretty – yeah, they keep it pretty slim here, which is Just a quartet here. Exactly, exactly. Um, The biggest part of our job here is educational outreach. Right. And so they have – our wonderful education department has created multiple shows for multiple age groups, and we go out and – Educate the children. You go
0: all over the state of Utah. All over
1: the state, four times a year. Yeah. We visit, um, we'll take a week and go to a completely different part of the state, because they have to visit every school in the state of Utah on a three to five year rotation. Right. That's their thing. Right. So, yeah, and that's fun. We also have um, responsibilities in which we cover uh, roles in the main stage productions. Right. Or we perform small roles sure. in the main stage productions, which we are are all doing right now in companies? Fantastic! Which is fun. Yeah. yeah, that's great.
0: <laughs> it's. The, I want to talk a little bit about this education experience because mm-hmm. I would venture to say, and I have not worked with a lot of opera companies, but I bet this is fairly unique in the industry the amount of travel mm-hmm. and performance for kids that you do.
1: Well, I'm some some places do quite a bit of travel, but I think it's not always on our, our, this scale. Yeah. I think in in the nine months we do something like 250 to 275 shows. Incredible! It's fun. It's fun too. Yeah. You think. You, you start it, and you're like, oh my gosh, can I get yeah. through this whole year? And you're, you're like, but it's fun. It's a good time, and they're always enthusiastic. That's almost like a
0: long Broadway run or it's something. It's so true. Yeah. It's so true, yeah. <laughs> so you're still pretty much in the early phase of your career, but mm-hmm. what's the biggest role in terms of the work required to prepare that you've done so far, and what did you learn from that experience?
1: Sure. I, when I was in my master's, I did... Um, I sang Sister Helen Prejean and Dead Man Walking, ah, which is that's... something I probably won't do for another, a long time. But yeah, it was a yeah an, an in school experience, which was great and very safe.
0: That's but not something as a young person you're going to be cast for probably no, anytime soon. No. Yeah, <laughs> but that's a huge role. It Talk was about massive. that. Yeah, it was
1: super massive and pretty scary to get it all done in the time allotted. And but it was um, it was a great experience. I learned a lot about pacing. Yeah, learning to not get frustrated with yeah, myself. absolutely. Yeah, it was one of those times. One of those things, you'd be in a rehearsal and you maybe wouldn't get it right yeah. even the third or fourth time. And that was very frustrating and embarrassing. And you think, okay, it's okay. I'm you know, sure. it's going to get done and that's fine.
0: Yeah. Do, do, do you think it helped that early in your career to have such a heartbreaking project Absolutely. to work on?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it, it was cool. I had a great, we had a yeah. great cast and we had a good time doing it, which sounds weird. But, I you know, know yeah, because it's, because yeah, it's such a dark story. Up. You can't do it for two months just...
0: No, you can't can't be in that dark place for the entire time. For sure. But, I
1: mean, yeah, we learned a lot through each other and how to handle it in a certain way. And that was cool. Yeah. I'm
0: I'm sure that was a very formative experience. (laughs) Indeed. You (laughs) You know, people that come to operas may realize this intuitively, but they may not be able to put it into words, but there's a lot more involved with what you do than just mm-hmm. singing. So I'm curious how much acting, dancing, fighting even, uh-huh. training you get on a regular basis. I mean, is it part of the curriculum of most artist programs, or do you have to do it yourself? What's um, that like?
1: I I feel lucky because at the University of South Florida, uh-huh. I received a theater degree. Ah,
0: because that's what, Yeah, that's
1: kind of what I wanted to do earlier sure. before, and I got both sure. the degrees and then the <laughs> i switched on sure, to the music sure um but people take classes in college and things like that for that and it's encouraged to do dance mm-hmm. we don't have that kind of training here so i've been to young artist programs where they do um combat right and i'm sure if, if we had to do combat in a show here they would absolutely yeah on a per show taller. basis absolutely, absolutely. yeah so, but i've done stuff in young artist programs and things like that um yeah. but they have people come in and do dramatic coachings with us right. and stage our arias and things like that, which is, which is good. But a lot of it is kind of on your own. <laughs> I'm sure I'm, well,
0: acting is such a huge part of what you do. Massive. I mean, yeah. you have to be able to, to sell this story with your face mm-hmm. and your movements and your, you just, your sort of skill as a communicator, mm-hmm. not just with your singing voice. So yep. I'm sure that's a lifelong process.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, You've also performed a soloist with Utah Symphony. we yes. got to bring this back to Utah, to Utah Symphony since that's the, the host of the podcast. But, uh-huh. And you've done that a few times. So tell me the ways that non-operatic work challenges you as a singer. I mean, how's it different?
1: For me, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of like public speaking in a way because there's nothing yeah in front of you. Because in opera, there's a character to hide behind. There's costumes, there's sure. set, and there it's just kind of you and your voice out there. and that's, Pretty much always can, the furthest thing downstage. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that can be, that's, yeah. it's very vulnerable. And a lot of those pieces are a little bit more virtuosic and sure. that's what they're there for. And that sure. can be, uh, but, yeah, but then also it's just nice in a way to be there and just focus on the music yeah. and be able to, you know, be, be part of that. Is it interesting um, as a
0: vocalist not to have to sing over an orchestra, but actually be in and amongst them? <laughs> and I mean, how, how is that different?
1: It is. I guess it is different. Um, it's
0: because they're not in the pit. Yeah. On no. Stage no. With yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So
1: I mean, it's it. it yeah. It, it's exactly. Yeah. We're exactly on the same plane, yeah. which can be if if it is the right if it's right for your your voice, sure. then it's then it's good. If yeah. it's not, then, then it's God tough. help you. But,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Orchestras are pretty powerful yeah, beasts. Yeah. Yeah. but it's fun so back to opera let's talk about some roles here what are some of your dream roles is there any character you're just dying to portray
1: I've been very lucky in the past three or four years that I've gotten a lot checked off a lot of bucket list pieces and I've makes me nervous Well, I'm let's like, be honest no. most
0: mezzos would say dead man walking so it's you've so already true, got I that. Have yeah. done that i yeah. got to
1: do um i covered erica and vanessa and oh Santa that's Feta's another great summer, one yeah. which i was like oh Because yeah. god no one does that yeah <laughs> which is such a bummer because it's, it's true. really great and i had a great time yeah with that experience and i've done any anything benjamin Britten ever wrote that i have an ability to sing i want to sing it <laughs> that's, so
0: we have so much in common, Sarah. Yes! A fellow Britain fan yes! here. Yes. Yeah.
1: Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, Lucretia is the goal. Yeah. So that hopefully I will be appropriate for that Absolutely. at some point in my life. Absolutely. Though, oh, no. you, <laughs> you
0: couldn't have pleased me more with your answer. Oh! That's so good. A, I'm a Britain fanatic. Yay! <laughs> so, speaking of roles, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if there's a particular person from history that has not yet been depicted in an opera that you think should be. <laughs> Tell me why. I, I
1: think about this a lot, to be yeah. perfectly honest with I you. I it, great. I think I often think about um, that there are like plays and books I think mm-hmm. that haven't been made into it yet. Yeah. There, there is a Twelfth Night opera that exists. Right. But Viola is in a mezzo, and I think that's nonsense. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, someone write it again. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> some,
0: someone do better, please. Someone, uh, yeah.
1: yeah. I think I I think there are some subjects that could be redone because I mean, yeah. As a Briton fan, yeah. The. To use Shakespeare's language in an opera is Absolutely. so special, and I Absolutely. think that we have all these operas that are quasi yeah. that. Yeah, I w- I had a. I guess I have an example. I was thinking, I just watched um, the Ken Burns documentary about the National Parks. Oh did yeah, did you see that? Yeah, and there was a um, a story about John Muir meeting Theodore Roosevelt in Yosemite, right? And him. Leave, skip essentially skipping a state dinner yeah. out there to go and hang out with john muir in the woods and yeah. have him convince him to make yosemite a national park and i'm like maybe that maybe that would be a cool subject i don't know
0: that would be a great yeah. so <laughs> so you do you do muir as a pants roll or oh
1: no i don't think i would be a part of it but i think it would be yeah. an interesting just piece of theater. that's a that's a great idea yeah i hope, I hope someone take
0: Okay. Yeah. Right. You, you've you've heard it you've heard it world. You just have to you just have to make Sarah a part of your work cited. So the last question we ask on in these interviews is because of our title, The Ghost Light. I wanna know, Sarah, have you ever seen a ghost? Or do you have a paranormal story you Ooh, can share?
1: I have a couple actually. Right. I haven't physically seen one. Mm-hmm. I thought I heard one okay. when I was a kid. I don't know, not even a kid. I was probably in high school, which yeah. is even more ridiculous. It's like two PM. In our house, and I hear—not really side, the witching hour, but exactly, exactly. And I hear on the other side of the house. I know it's a very practical ghost. <laughs> like I have stuff to do, um, but I hear the TV on in the another room, and no one else is home. And I was like,
0: uh-huh.
1: "That's weird." Yeah. So I walked over there, and I still hear it on. It's like it's like it's on, but the yeah. TV is absolutely off. And wow. I thought that was very freaky. Okay. I had um, I've had a couple Ouija board experiences. Uh huh. Yeah, that were. Kind of wacky. And uh, um, there was also, I I love this story because it's, I love technological ghosts. (laughs) Tell us. There was a wacko, um, a cemetery in my hometown that was very, very small. It was something like nine or ten graves and they were all Civil War era. Okay. And people used to go out there and sleep out to see if they could see ghosts. And there was a story of someone, it was in 2008, and this person received a text that was dated June sixth, two
0: thousand six. Uh-huh. And it
1: said drowned or burned. What? It was very weird, and everyone. <laughs> it, so it, that was a big thing in our high school. Wow! <laughs> that story. We
0: keep raising the bar every episode on these ghost stories. <laughs> you're you're the current champion.
1: Yay! <laughs> fellow
0: fellow Floridian Sarah Sarakoi, thank you so much for being on thank the Ghostlight so podcast. Much. And again, go bulls.
1: Go bulls.
0: This weekend, we welcome maestro Thierry Fisher back to the podium to lead Utah Symphony and Dvorak's New World Symphony with Ives' Symphony No. 1 and Haydn's Symphony No. 7. Tickets and information are available at utahsymphony.org. The Ghostlight Podcast is produced by Chad Collin. Utah Symphony, Utah Opera season sponsor is the George S. and Dolores Dore Eccles Foundation.